uh, to anybody who may see this on social media or whatever. We're sorry. We didn't do very good with the social distancing thing. We thought <laughs> we didn't do real good, but that's okay. God's going to protect us. I really believe that God is going to honor our time today and protect us. And I'm so very thankful for each of you. Before we dive into the word this morning, I just got to I just got to say a couple of things real quickly. This past 5 months has been has been one incredible journey. It has been for all of us in this room. It's been different. It's been it's been a little crazy, but I've said it from the beginning. I believe it today, and I'll continue to profess it, that, that God has all things in his hands. I, I, God is not wringing his hands up, up in heaven right now saying, what am I going to do with this mess? And God, God is still in control. He's still sitting on the throne. And I believe that everything that we've been through, everything that we will go through, is ultimately for the glory of God, that it will, it, he's working all things together for good in our lives, even the darkest hours even the most hopeless moments of our lives. We've been living there. We've been living there, and it's all around us. It's in our world all around us. But I believe that as the world grows darker, as the world grows, uh, becomes more of a desert and dry and barren place, the greater the light of the church shines. And I believe that that's what God is calling us to. I believe that that's what God is going to do in and through his church, and that's you. And I just want to say throughout these last few months, you know, one of the things, the human side of a pastor that says, you know what, there's bills to pay, there's missions endeavors that we're in, that we're continuing to try to support, there's, there's, a, there's a building that we've got to pay for, there's all these kind of things that's going on. Are the people going to continue to be faithful in their finances and in their giving? And you blew us away in how that you continue to sow and, and pour into and tithe and return the tithe and give your offerings. And I just want to say a great big thank you and God bless you. I know you do it as unto the Lord. But I want to tell you something from a human practical side. We don't talk, we've never really talked a lot about it at Life Church, but, uh, but it's unbelievable to see how you have responded. And so I thank you for that and continuing in your faithfulness to the Lord and to all those who played a part and played a role in the in the renovation and the expanding of our facility here. If you've not got a chance to walk, if you've not had a chance yet to walk around and kind of see things, I encourage you to do that. There may be still a few little unfinished pieces here and there, but, but I encourage you to just kind of walk around and check everything out. Uh, there's going to be a lot of wonderful life that is experienced in this building. It's not about the building, but it's what happens in it. And so we, God has provided us a place to facilitate that. And uh, there are so many people that I would love to recognize and acknowledge and thank, and there will be a service in the future. We're going to have like a, a real grand opening service at some point. And when we do that, when we do that, we'll be recognizing all of those people. But I cannot let this day pass without thanking our kind of our head honcho of the entire uh, building project, and that is Daryl Shipman and Shipman Builders. Where is Daryl? Would you stand? I don't know. I don't know where yet. There he is. There he is, right there. I tell you, it, it, he wasn't just our con, our hired contractor. This is somebody who was investing his heart and life. Even last night, he was up here. Uh, putting WD-40 on, on, on hinges, on doors, and, uh, and really in these last few weeks has just stepped up to the plate and had everybody working can to can't, and uh, he was right there in the middle of it. And again, well, there's so many people to thank, so many incredible folks that were, played a part, but I just thought I would mention the, the top dog, and then we'll cover everybody else at a later time. But again, thank you for being here today. God bless you for being in this service today. And uh, we're just so glad that you're here. I'm feeling a little bit warm. I don't know if it's just me, but uh, oh, we, we, 
Uh, it's a little bit warm. I think we had a little bit of an AC issue this morning. We're going to get that fixed and taken care of before, before next week. And I may be shedding out of this jacket here in a minute. And, 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 and uh, uh, I don't know what, whatever he said, I promise you I'm not going to keep you long. I promise you that. Uh, I, I, I want to I be brief, but I feel like I have a word from the Lord today. In Second Chronicles, we read where Solomon, this same Solomon and, and dedication of a temple that, that dad was talking about earlier, we read where he begins to pray a prayer. Solomon's praying a prayer over the house. Everybody say the house. This house. He, he, he was praying a prayer of dedication, a prayer of consecration over the house of God that he had built. It was the house that God had, had placed in the heart of his father, David. God, God had given David the vision, but, but he gave Solomon the, the wherewithal to be able to actually build and construct the house, the, the temple that, that he had placed, placed in his father's heart. And so in 2 Chronicles ver- chapter 6, beginning in verse 2, it says, I have sh- this is the prayer that Solomon is praying the prayer of dedication over this house, the, some of the declarations that he's making over the house to the Lord. And he says in verse 2, he says, I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. He says, I built a house for you, for, for, to exalt you, to, to, for you to dwell in forever. I'm going to skip down to verse 18, and he says, but will God indeed dwell with men on the earth? Listen to this, behold heaven, and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple, how much less this house which I have built. Solomon understood something that that generations later, and, and those generations to follow him, they wouldn't even understand this. They wouldn't get it. But Solomon understood it right at the very beginning, at the, at the, at the, at the building of the house and the temple. He understood something. He prayed this. He says, God, you can't, you can't be confined to this one space. You, you are so much larger than that. The earth and the, and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. Verse 19, yet regard the prayer of your servant, and his supplication, O Lord my God. And listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you, that your eyes may be open toward this temple, toward this house, day and night, toward the place where you said you would put your name, that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes toward this place. And may you hear the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. This is what Solomon was praying over the house that he had built for the presence of the Lord. This is the prayer that Solomon was praying for the people of God, for for, for that point of contact, the temple, this house that he built became that point of contact for the people with their Lord. Now, we all understand in this room, we fully understand that this building that we're in right now, it is, it, it is not the temple of God. This room, a lot of times in some churches, they call this room the sanctuary. This room is not necessarily a sanctuary. We are the temple of God. You are the house of God. I am the house of God. This room only becomes a sanctuary when we bring the presence of the Lord in here with us. In a little while, when all of us walk out and this room is empty, it is nothing but a room. 
This is not the house of God. Yes, we reference it as the house of God, but you are the house of God. I am the house. We are the temple of God. This building itself, it is nothing but brick and mortar and sheetrock and metal and, and carpet and padded pews, chairs. But the fact is, there has always been, and there is today, great value in the house. You say that with me again, the house, the house. There's great value in the house. That house, that place that is set aside, that place that is consecrated, that place that is dedicated for the purposes of God's kingdom and his kingdom work. There's something sacred about that. Now, let me just tell you, I grew up going to church, I think, every single night of the week. At least it felt that way. If my dad wasn't preaching a revival or preaching in somebody's church somewhere or in our own church, then we were fine. If it was within an hour radius and there was a revival or a special meeting, we were all getting in the car about 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon and we were going to church. That was almost every single day. I'm not talking about Sundays and Wednesdays. I'm talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm talking about every day of the week whether it was revival, and look, this ain't like, most of you in this room grew up Baptist. How many of you in here grew up Baptist, right? Or you are Baptist or whatever. Okay, that's the big majority of the people in the room. I'm gonna tell you something, I grew up Pentecostal. And every now and then, my Pentecostal roots come out a little bit. And I ain't ashamed of it. I'm happy about it. I'm, I'll, I'll cut a jig sometime and you, you just watch, just watch. But you know, we didn't go to these Baptist services where a lot of times I've been to Baptist revivals and they're kind of, pretty much sort of the same you know you sing a couple songs a couple of hymns and there's a, about a good 15 20 minute sermon a, a, a altar call and everybody goes to the house about an hour hour and 15 minutes oh no 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 not in the Pentecostal church you better pack a lunch you better pack a lunch in fact we would have in, in those kind of services they would have to serve after church in the fellowship hall because all the restaurants are already shut down by the time church gets out in the Pentecostal church but can I tell you yeah, there's probably been times when I wished I could have stayed at the house. I wish I could have gone with my buddies and done something. But looking back today, and even during that time, I'll tell you, there was something sacred about it. I don't resent anything about that. These people that talk about, well, you know, I don't want to force this on my kids. I don't want to make my kids. I want it to be their decision. They're nine. It's not their decision to make. It's our decision to make. And I want to tell you something, they will not, they'll never resent you for doing that. I can promise you that. If anybody had the opportunity to resent that, I did. But I don't. There was something sacred about going to the place. Again, I'm not talking about the brick and mortar. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about that sacred house, that place that was dedicated for and to the purposes of of the Lord, for gathering with God's people, for communing with one another in faith and, 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 and with the Lord and in worship together, worshiping together. There's something beautiful and there's something sacred about that. We all know that we can experience God anytime, any place. We already know that. I don't have to preach that message. We can experience God's presence and worship when we're alone, whether it's in our home or driving down the road in our car. But there is something very special about the gathering together. The Apostle Paul said it. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. This is, this is to build one another. It's to strengthen us. It, it is to bring us closer to the Lord. We are drawn closer to the Lord by one another. 
We draw strength from one another's love. We draw strength from one another's worship to the Lord. I, I, I had a meeting that I was leading in Missouri here a couple of weeks ago with, with a group of ministers. I alluded to it on Facebook, but we had about, I don't know, about 140 folks that gathered in Branson in a, for a, a gathering. And this was my first time to be in a, in a worship service where I was just participating with a lot of people in one room. We'd had little small little pockets of gatherings here and there. And, and there was something that happened in that first service. I'm sitting on the front row, as I always do, and, and, and all of a sudden the music began and it started, and, uh, and everybody started singing, and all of a sudden there was, just this, there was just this roar of worship and prayer and praise behind me, and I began to feel something. I began to be infused with something. I began to be energized by something, and I realized something, and I shared it with that group. I said, you know what? I've had worship these last five months. I've been experiencing the presence of God these last months, but there was something missing in all of that. I needed your worship. I need your worship. I, I need to experience and feed off of your communion with the Lord. And you need that for me. Forsake not the assembling. It, it's a place. This must be a place that is dedicated to the purposes of God. A place, a house, this house that is, that is dedicated to, to the purpose of connecting his body. A, dedicated to the, to the purpose of reaching and affecting those who are in need. A place that is dedicated to being a refuge for the hurting a hospital for those who are sick and who are hurting. And so beginning in verse 22, Solomon begins to get very specific with his prayer. His prayer, he, he gets very direct with his prayer, and he begins to petition God regarding the various types of scenarios and situations and circumstances that might arise at this house that he built. He, he begins to get very specific about it. And so in verse 22, and I'm just going to skim over if that's okay. I, I'm just going to leave, I'm just going to, I can't sit here and read 18 verses. You know, you don't have time for me to do that today, but I, I want you to get the, get the gist of what we're talking about here today. In verse 22, it says, if anyone sins against his neighbor, if anyone sins against his neighbor, you judge your servants, bringing retribution on the wicked and justifying the righteous. What he was saying is, is that in this house, when, 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 when they walk into this house, when they experience this house, may wickedness be defeated and never prevail. May righteousness always be rewarded. But hear what he says. God, you do the judging. God, you do the correcting. You do the justifying, not us. As a pastor, I'm not a policeman. I, I'm not a judge. I'm not jury. None of us are. There is only one. We are just to facilitate the house that is his. God, you bring the distinction and the division. We're talking about dividing now the wickedness and the, the wicked and the, and the righteous. No, I'm not talking about us separating people. I'm not talking about saying, oh, this one's the righteous one and this is, this is the wicked one. What I'm saying is, is that even in our own hearts and minds, by our own conviction, when they walk into this house, may the Holy Spirit of God convict every heart so that all of a sudden in my own life, in my own heart, in my own mind, all of a sudden there is this great line, there's this great divide that is drawn, and where maybe out there in the world the lines have become blurred. Well, is this? I don't know about that. Maybe this. All of a sudden, in this house, 
in the presence of the Lord, all of a sudden there is clarity and there is distinction about in my life, this is, does not need to be there. This is not of God. This is the direction God is taking me. He is rewarding righteousness and he is defeating, defeating wickedness. I love that Jesus, he taught of how that you should allow, allow the wheat and the tares to grow together. When the servant went out to try to, try to tear away the tares, the master said, no, 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 you, you let them grow together. We're going to let one decide. It, it, it'll take care of itself. We're not here to do the dividing and the distinction and drawing the lines. That's not up to us. That is up to the Holy Spirit of God, and he will do it every time. We'll mess it up every single time. Well, you've heard it said before, it's the word. Judgment begins in the house of God. I think that scripture has been misinterpreted too many times. We think that means because we are a part of the house of God that we are to judge one another. That's not what it's saying at all. Judgment begins in his house. His house, not your house, not my house. Judgment begins in his house. And I believe that if our focus is on him, if we're looking to him, then when people walk into his presence, they will see, they will know. The Holy Spirit will convict and he'll draw the line. He'll do the judging. He'll do the convicting of our hearts. So may this house be a place where there is a clear distinction between wickedness and righteousness. Not, not, not my opinion of what these things are. Not, not, what I've, not my preconceived thoughts and ideas. God, Holy Spirit, lead in God. Holy Spirit, bring the distinctions. I know that the lines have been blurred, but I know that the Holy Spirit will convict. In verse 24, it says, in this same prayer of Solomon, he's saying, if your people Israel are defeated before an enemy, before because they have sinned against you and they confess your name in this house bring them back to the land which you gave to them and their fathers there's a lot of folks in our world today there may even be some folks sitting in this room today who for one reason or another whatever your background is whatever their their history is whatever their story is they have become very disenfranchised with church Maybe they've been hurt in church in some way. Somebody damaged them in some way in church. And maybe, maybe, maybe just life in general has hurt them. They've been abused in some way. There's, there's more questions than there are answers to the, the plight of the things that have happened in their life. Maybe in their heart they've just gone ahead and resigned and said, it's all of God's fault. It's all God's fault. I don't want anything to do with any of that anymore. And they just kind of have gone their own way. And the enemy has caused them to believe a lie now. And now they've just pulled away from the house. Do you know that person? Have you met that person? For whatever reason it may be, back in the day they were, <laughs> they used to call them backsliders in the church back in the day. I'm not sure we use that kind of term anymore. But the truth of the matter is there are those who have said, you know what? I'm done with all this. The representation I see of God, which is the church, that's the only earthly representation we have, is not the God that I want to serve or the God that I believe in. No doubt they are broken. No doubt they're in a place of despair. And as a result now, they have gone astray. But here's what Solomon said in his prayer. He says, if there be that wayward child, if there is that, if you want to use the term, if there's that backslider, if there's that one who's been hurt or damaged and now has gone astray, may this house, 
May this house be the place where they find salvation. May this house be the place where they find restoration. May this house be the place where they find open arms and love and acceptance. Let this house be that house with all of our imperfections. Beginning with the guy standing behind this desk right now, I will let you down. I will fail you. I am human. Everybody in this room will fail you. They 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 will hurt you in some way, sometimes intentionally, most of the time unintentionally. But the fact of the matter is, we represent a house. May everything that they have that they have forsaken in the past, may all of it be brought back to them and restored to them and many times over. This house will be a house of restoration. I think it's, I think it's incredible what we, what we have done in recent years and recent decades in the Christian church. It's like we hold stuff over people. Oh, you know him. Oh, thank God what, he, what happened in his life. But you know where she was. You know what they were. Oh, thank God. But you know this. And there's always this little asterisk beside their name. This is a place of restoration where you have not a past, but only a future. Verse 26, he says, When the heavens shut up with no rain, when they pray toward this house, teach them the good way in which they should walk and send rain. Send rain. I don't have to get up here and tell this group of people today what the world looks like. I don't have to stand up here today and tell you how dark it is in the world. I don't have to tell you how dry and what a barren land we live in today. You already know that. You see it on the news. You see it every time you open up social media. I don't have to tell you what a hopeless world we live in today. And let me tell you why I'm not going to do that. Because it's not our place to do that. We're not news reporters. That's what you got Fox News and CNN and MSNBC. That's what you got all those folks for. We are not here to report the news. That's not our job. As a matter of fact, let me tell you what we're not. We are not thermometers. You know what a thermometer does? There's these little boxes on the wall. And and every one of these little boxes, there's a number on it. All that number is doing, that thermometer is just telling us what the temperature is in the room. Hey, everybody, I just want you to know it's 95 degrees in here. (laughs) I'm not going to do anything about it. I can't do anything about it. I just want you to know. So if we get up here behind this pulpit, or this, what we're doing from this house is just declaring, oh, it's so bad, it's so bad. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Everything is going, blah, 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 blah. And we're, all we're being is a, thermos, is, a, is a thermometer. And God did not call us to be a thermometer. God did not call us to be a reporter. God has called us to be a thermostat. And a thermostat... These little boxes on the wall, they have two functions. One of them is the thermometer, just to tell us what's going on. The other one is to change the environment, to change the atmosphere. When that thermostat says, wait a minute, it's too hot in here. We're dropping this joker down, and it has the power to do that, the power inside of us to declare and speak and change the world around us. We are not reporters. We are life changers. We are world changers. That's what he's called us to be. As the world grows darker, as there's more of a dry and barren land, he has called us to be the voice. He has called us, his church, to be the light. Oh, am I preaching too hard? I told you, I may, I may go run an aisle here in a minute. I don't have any steps to run down, but 
I think I can make it 28 inches or whatever that is. May it be that as they enter into this house, they feel and they experience the rain and the glory of God falling in their lives. And in the middle of that rainstorm in their lives, that hope is restored and they realize that their tomorrows are better than their yesterdays, that God has a plan and he has a purpose. May all things be restored. Yes, in that journey, God will bring conviction and God will bring correction. And yes, he'll make paths straight. And yes, he will, he will show the way. But may you bring rain, God, in the dry, in the desert places. May this house, may this house be a house of renewal, of refreshing, of growth. Everything that rain brings I think back I think back in times of despair in my own life moments of more questions than answers and there was always those storms of life that I've experienced and you've experienced there was always something special when I could come to the house when I would walk into a house I don't care if it was Presbyterian Baptist non-denominational uh Christian (laughs) some of y'all get that about two o'clock this afternoon And it's going to bless your heart. But there was something about going to the house. The house. And every time I went to the house, God would bring rain in the middle of my drought. He would always bring rain in the middle of my dry and desert place. I don't know how many of you have ever experienced this before when you're driving down the highway. And all of a sudden, just like a torrential rainfall. It's like the gallons and gallons and millions of gallons just dump out right on top of your car and it just follows your car you ever you ever experienced that before and you're looking all around you see you know 50 or 100 yards around there's sunshine there's no clouds but there's this cloud and there's this rain that's just resting on your car and it's like you can't get away from it has anybody ever experienced that before am i the only one who's ever had a rain cloud just follow me and me alone what's happening with all these other people well in the reverse of that think about it that's what god wants to do in our lives in the middle of a dry and desert place he wants to pour rain on our lives i think about the goshen experience when when God's people Israel were were taken into captivity in Egypt and and in that place of captivity God positioned them in a place in the middle of Egypt called Goshen and when all the plagues broke out and when when there was clouds and when there was darkness and when there was water turning to blood and with all these things in Goshen when the lights were going out in Egypt they were the lights were coming back on in Goshen and in in the middle of captivity God was blessing the people of Israel he'll bring rain in our dry and desert places. Verse 28, when there is famine and pestilence in the land, if he spreads his hands toward this house, whatever plague, whatever sickness there is, there will be healing that comes. May this house become a place of healing. May this house become a place of healing. May the sick and the afflicted, the burdened and the depressed, may they find healing. And then I love this, verse 32. Concerning a foreigner, a stranger, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel. Hear this. Solomon's praying this. Concerning the one who is not of your people, but has come from a far country for the sake of your great name. When they come and they pray in this house, hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you. Solomon was way ahead of his time 
when he was praying a prayer like this. This is a New Testament prayer. This, is, this sounds like the Apostle Paul's prayer when he says, there is neither slave nor free. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There may be those who come into this house who don't talk the way we talk. There may be those who walk into this house who don't look the way we look. They don't dress the way we dress. They don't worship the way we dress, we worship. And guess what? That's okay. As a matter of fact, that's a good thing because we celebrate the fact that they are in the house. May the foreigner, may the stranger receive from you. Solomon's praying that. May they find open arms and find a home. (laughs) I've said this quite often. I wish everybody in this church was just like me. Then it would be a perfect church. (laughs) My opinion is the right opinion. Everybody else, if you see it different than me, you're wrong. I'm sorry. It's okay to be wrong. Just confess it and then take on my opinion. Now, I jest, and you know that, but if you think about it, deep down in that real subtle place, don't we all kind of really think that a little bit? (laughs) If we're being honest, I can't believe they would. That, that's not the way. You can't do that. And My opinion is the right opinion. When someone doesn't see it the way we see it, when someone has a different idea or a thought, a different opinion, a different position on something, maybe they interpret the scripture a little different than I interpret it. Maybe they worship a little different than I do. But Solomon says, those that's not like you, those that's not of your house, Those that don't think like you, make this a home for them. Let this house be their house. Welcome them and celebrate them as part of the family. Verse 34 and 37, I'm just going to, I'm real quick, I'm, I'm trying to close here. When your people go out to battle and the enemy takes them captive to a land far or near. Verse 37, it says, yet when they come to themselves, when they come to themselves, in the land where they were carried captive and repent. That, that, that phrase, when they come to themselves, that's, that, that's, a, that's kind of a familiar phrase. Uh, you, you might have heard that somewhere in the New Testament before. See, see there, was, there was a story that Jesus shared about the prodigal son. You might remember the story. The prodigal son had, had gone and he had, he had wasted and spent everything. He, he, he was very selfish in, in, his, in his motives and in his actions. And, and he went and he, he, he wasted everything that he had essentially stolen, you might say. It was an inheritance, but, but he took it too early. You, you know the story if you've ever read. And so now he finds himself in a pig pen. He finds himself at the end. He's already spent it all. He has no hope left. You might say he is in captivity now. He's lying in a pig pen, eating pig slop. And the Bible says, I love how Jesus said, he says, and when he came to himself. I don't know how many of you in this room are like me, where you've had that moment, or maybe those moments in your life where you came to yourself. Every decision I'd made up to that point, was, was my own decision. Every, everything that I'd done was going my own way, going astray, and all it did was lead me to a place of captivity. But there came that moment when he met me where I was. That's one more thing I've got to say. I didn't go to him. You hear people say all the time, I found Jesus. I went to Jesus. I found Jesus. I didn't find Jesus. Jesus came to me where I was. I, I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the power. I didn't have the vision to be able to get to where he was. I'm so thankful for his loving grace. He came to where I was. And the Bible says that when he came to himself, 
when he came to himself. So he's saying when they come to themselves in that place of captivity, whatever led them there, whether it was their own mistakes, whether it was their own selfish motives, whatever got them to that place of captivity, when they're there, when they come to themselves, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Hear their prayer and their supplications and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. When they're carried away captive, when they, when they come to themselves in that place, your wayward sons and your wayward daughters, may you answer and may you restore them. Can I tell you, I'm not reading that from letters of red in the New Testament. I'm reading that from the Old Testament where Solomon is praying that over the house of God. In the dedication of what the house of God was intended to be from the very beginning. And I really am closing now. This is a real closing. Earlier it was a pretend closing. Just so you wouldn't get too antsy. Solomon prays this prayer of dedication. He prays this prayer of petition. God, will you do this? God, will you let this be this of the house? If this one does this, will you do that? Meanwhile, the whole time he's praying that prayer throughout the, the sixth chapter of Chronicles there, the heavens are silent. We don't hear anything from God. We only hear Solomon's petitions. God, will you? Please do. I declare this. But if you skip over to, to chapter 7, the very next chapter in 2 Chronicles, beginning in verse 12, the Lord begins to respond to him. Now we hear the Lord beginning to respond to the, to the, to the petition and to the prayer and the supplication of Solomon, the, de- the prayer of dedication. This is a pretty familiar text to many of you in this room. But in verse 12, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and he said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice listen to this when i shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people this isn't the first time we've had a pandemic in the world <laughs> we're losing our minds it doesn't even compare to some of the stuff that has happened in our history and in our world but when these things happen listen to verse 14 This is what you can all probably quote with me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. He says in verse 15, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually would you stand with me across this room i want to pray for us today but i want our prayer today to be a prayer of declaration over this house we begin by saying that the house is us the house is you queenie The house is you, Joe. The house is you, Kevin. The house is you, John. The house is you, Robin. The house is us. It's not this building. Thank God for the building. Thank God for a place to come and to worship. Thank God for that. But it's only the house of God when his people come. And so this is what we're going to declare over this house, over this people. This is my prayer. Today I declare that this house will be a place 
where God and God alone will judge the wicked from the righteous. I declare today that this house will be a place where restoration comes to the wayward son and the wayward daughter, the one that's gone their own way. May it be a lighthouse that draws them back into the open arms of God and his people. I declare today that when the world outside is dry and barren and dark, that God in this house, you will send rain, that you'll send renewal, that you'll send refreshing, that you'll send revival. Folks, I believe we're getting ready to see a revival like we've never seen before. I'm almost encouraged by everything that's happening in the world. I'm not, I'm not discouraged. I'm not mad about it. I'm not, I'm not worried and anxious about it. God's up to something. And I just want to be in the flow of what he's doing. I declare today that those who are sick and oppressed and depressed, that they will find healing in this house, that they'll find deliverance in this house. I declare today, Lord, that the, that the stranger and the foreigner the one who doesn't look like me, the one who doesn't sound like me, the one who doesn't think like me, that they will find a home, a place of an embrace, and a place of acceptance and love in this house. And I declare today that in this house, the captive will be set free and the chains that bind will be broken. Father, we welcome you into this house. We've prayed it. But today as a corporate body, as a family of believers, we declare it together, God, this is your house. We are your house. Now, God, do in us, do through us, do what only you can do, God, as we surrender to you. Have your way, God. I know, I realize the issues of the world, but we're not here to report the issues of the world. For we are in this world, God, but we recognize that we are not of this world that our kingdom is a much greater kingdom than anything that this world can, can offer. And so we look unto you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in our community. God, have your way in this house. As the, as the, she- as the, as the under-shepherd of this, of this house, I relinquish all of my power and control to you, God. Do what only you want to do. It's not about a person. It's not about a personality. It's not about a music style. It's not about a certain kind of building. It's not about anything but what you want to do in the hearts and lives of your people. And we give you thanks and praise for it all. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you together say amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's worship together.